0: Welcome again to Growing in Grace Together. I'm Joel Brzezinski, and with me again for another program, Andrew Farley. He's the author of The Naked Gospel. You can find out information about The Naked Gospel at thenakedgospel.com. Andrew, it's good to have you here with me again. Oh, thank you, Joel. It's great to be here. Now, we were talking uh, last time about lots of really good things. You know, the uh, whole idea of us not being under the law anymore and about this new life that we have in Christ. But in this new life that we have in Christ... It's there's still this thing called sin uh, that get, a lot of people get hung up on. And Andrew, I'd like um, you, if you could, uh, because I know you address a lot of this in your book, The Naked Gospel, uh, the, the, the problem of sin. What causes sin in the life of a Christian, and do we need to ask God for forgiveness?
1: Sure, well... I mean, first of all, I think we have to lay the foundation of what Christ accomplished. And in the Naked Gospel, I, I argue several main points. First of all, that our forgiveness is expressed in past tense. Mm-hmm. In the Naked Gospel, I, I show that verse after verse after verse uh, emphasizes that it's a finished, completed work, that we have been forgiven, and it's a past tense. Now, Jesus said that from the cross. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Uh, and so, you know, you, you look at the book of Hebrews, for example, the phrase, once for all, comes up repeatedly. Once for all. Our forgiveness happened once, and it's for all our sins. And so Christians are not being forgiven. Christians are not hoping to get forgiveness. Christians are forgiven people. So if you understand what I'm saying, I'm saying that your past and your present and your future sins were all taken away at the cross, and you cannot possibly get any more forgiven than you already are. Now I hope, I hope then that your next question is, well then can I just do whatever I want? Because if you're not asking me that question, you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I am saying that you are totally off the hook. You are unconditionally forgiven, no matter what. And so the logical question that follows then is, can I just do whatever I want? And they asked Paul the same question, didn't they? They said, should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Well, what happens when you go on sinning? Grace increases. You cannot out the grace of God. You cannot exhaust it. You cannot use it up it is everlasting it is forever it's like standing in an eternal ocean of grace and then you live life from that ocean and 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 so because it's a once for all and because it's an accomplished past tense type of forgiveness we say well what do i do when i sin i mean i commit sins monday to sunday i wake up i have bad thoughts that i entertain i do bad stuff what should i do And if I don't have to ask for forgiveness, what should I do? Well, the phrase, ask forgiveness, is entirely absent from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Asking forgiveness is not Jewish, and asking forgiveness is not Christian. I mean, just think about the history of Judaism. They would walk out of the temple, they would walk out of the tabernacle, and they would feel real-world relief from their sins. Why? Not because they asked, but because animals were killed. It was a blood economy, a blood economy that caused real relief. And it's the same way for us today. The only difference is it's Jesus' blood, not the blood of bulls and goats. So today we can feel and experience real-world relief from our sins through the blood of Christ, not through our asking, waiting, hoping, pleading, begging. And so you say, well, what do I do then when I sin? Well, the answer is real simple, stop. <laughs> stop <laughs> sinning, turn from it, and act differently. I mean, uh, you know, Paul says to a, a Corinthian, hey, you've been stealing. Stop stealing, get a job, and give some money to those in need. So what's Paul's solution to sin? Stop sinning uh, and act differently. So you say, Well, that's too easy, that's too simple. Well, God cares about the outcome. He cares about the future. He cares about you damaging your life and you damaging the lives of others. I mean, he cares about the the everyday consequences of sin, but he is no longer giving us a a heavenly consequence for sin. If he gave us a consequence for sin straight out of heaven, that consequence would be death. Mm-hmm. I mean One sin, it doesn't deserve a slap on the hand. One sin deserves death. The wages of sin is not being out of fellowship for five minutes. The wages of sin is death. And so once we figure that out, we see that there is no punishment left. So what do we do when we sin? Stop, turn from it, act differently, do not let sin reign. And, and you know, Paul in Romans 6, he says the outcome of those things. The outcome of those things is death. He says, what benefit are you getting? I mean, look at his language. He cares about the outcome and the benefit. And that's what mature Christians are saying. Mature Christians are saying, I don't want to sin because sin is stupid. I don't want to sin because sin doesn't fulfill. I don't want to sin because it gets me nowhere. But in our immaturity and in our misunderstanding of the cross, we're saying, oh, I don't want to sin because God's going to get me. No. I don't want to sin because God's going to punish me. No, punishment was taken care of at the cross. There's no punishment left.
0: Isn't it interesting just the how different it is between how many of the Church would view maturity many of the church would view maturity as okay i don't want to sin because god's going to get me and you're saying it's just the opposite the, the mature christian who has really grown in grace and understands the forgiveness the once for all forgiveness that they have in christ they know that it's not about Uh, them asking for forgiveness, making promises to God. They know that it's not about that, but it's solely about the blood of Jesus. They've been cleansed and washed uh, clean because of the blood of Jesus. Uh, And then as you grow and mature in that, you understand that, yeah, it's right. uh, Sin, when I commit a sin, I'm not doing anyone any good, myself included. I'm not going to get any punishment from God, but it's not going to do anyone any good, including myself. The consequences could be... You're not so good, and so that's the reason, rather than it being about punishment from God.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I want to ask your your listeners, I mean, think about a number, uh, the number of times that you've sinned in your life. Now, think about the number of times you've asked for forgiveness. Hmm. Well, that's a lot smaller number. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do about all those sins that you never confessed? What are you going to do about all those sins you never asked forgiveness for? You've totally forgotten about them. It's been months, it's been years, and you left them. You left them unconfessed. You left them without asking forgiveness. And so you see, I mean, you see that logically that whole theology breaks down anyway. It makes no sense, it's absurd our forgiveness cannot possibly be dependent on our memory and our words. It's got to be dependent on the blood of Christ. And people say, well, you know, that type of forgiveness, that relentless, unconditional, everlasting forgiveness is going to lead to more sinning. And I say, wait a minute, I mean, I know that we think that on the surface, but the Bible actually says the opposite. You know, Peter says, if you're lacking good qualities, he names off a bunch of qualities like kindness and and tenderheartedness, and he names all these things off, and then he says, if you're lacking these qualities, it's because you've forgotten your forgiveness. You've forgotten your purification. You're, you're, you're living life thinking that you are the sum total of your track record, and that is a shame that we would run around thinking we're dirty. And you know, I like to tell the story of a South Bend home. I was living in South Bend for five years, and I, we had two extra bedrooms. One was absolutely filthy. It was my office, and it had <laughs> papers and boxes and equipment all over the floor, and that was my office. And then the other bedroom we used as a guest bedroom, and my wife, she kept it spotless, I mean, perfectly clean, and it was ready for a last-minute guest who came in unannounced. You could run a white glove down the furniture in that room, and you would end up with nothing to show for it, no dirt. It was absolutely clean. Now imagine, Joel, I mean, imagine that you're walking down the hallway of that home and you got a piece of garbage in your hand. Where are you more likely to throw it in, in the clean guest room or in my dirty office? Well, right. Or of you'd say in my office. Now why? I mean, why, why would you throw that piece of garbage in my office? Well, the whole thought is, why not throw one more on the pile? It's already dirty. What's the big deal? Who cares about one more piece of trash? But you wouldn't, you wouldn't throw it in the guest room because there's a piece of garbage sitting in the center of a spotless room. That makes no sense. You'd look at that and you'd say, that just doesn't fit. That doesn't make any sense. Now, the question is, spiritually, which room are you? Spiritually, which room are you? Are you the spotless guest room, or are you that dirty office? Because as a sinful thought, as a sinful thought travels down the hallway of your mind, which room are you? If you're that dirty office, well, then why not throw one more on the pile? And see, that's the whole reason that we've been given this relentless endless forgiveness this cleansing this being made right we've been given it on this side of heaven so that we can realize we're clean we can realize and think clean and then act clean and our forgiveness leads to upright living and that's what i think a lot of us christians we've lost sight of in the naked gospel i talk about how our identity as forgiven and pure and righteous saints i mean it has a way of living itself out and it's certainly not something we ignore as I begin to realize my cleanliness. I begin to think clean and act
0: clean. right so the, uh, the other way of looking at things that, that many of us have been brought up in is that okay, I'm saved now and so it's up to me, and I'm supposed to start living right. I'm supposed to uh, stop doing all the old things and start doing all the good all the good things. but uh, from this point point of view looking at the the fact that we have been made clean we have been washed clean then it's it's not a matter of musts and shoulds and and uh, i i had better do this or else but it's more a matter of i am clean and that's the and so the natural result of that that the lifestyle that comes out of that is a, an upright and righteous life is that what you're saying
1: Yeah, I mean, let's go back to the room analogy. Imagine if you uh, were living in that spotless room, and every day you got up and you did some mopping, and you did some sweeping, and you were wiping down the walls and dusting the furniture and trying to get it cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, and yet I had already informed you it's clean, it's spotless. There's no blemish, there's no mark on it, it's perfectly clean. And so if we Christians live every day with the idea that we need to make ourselves clean or get ourselves cleaner, we are trying to add to the work of Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus said it's finished. He said we're forgiven. He said we're cleansed. He said we've become the righteousness of God. He said as He is, so also are we in this world. We are like Christ. Now, I wake up every day... And I don't try to improve upon that. I live from that reality. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, taking a a masterpiece work of art and then trying to fix it up. It's like taking a a perfect masterpiece of architecture, a, a home that's been done by Frank Lloyd Wright, the master architect, and then you start tearing down walls and creating new angles and saying you can fix it. Well, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. It's the work of a master. And you can't improve upon that. And so the whole point of the Gospel is to make us right from day one, moment one, the first second that we are a Christian, the first moment that we are in Christ, we are made 100% clean and 100% right. And so then, then when sin comes my way, I can say this makes no sense, this doesn't fit, This is not proper, this is not fitting for me, and I'm going to resist it. Now, that's very different from trying to improve upon yourself, fix yourself, clean yourself, and add to the work of Christ. We've got to agree. We've got to sit down with Jesus and say, it is finished. And from that seated position, from that relaxed, restful position that's where we live everyday
0: life yeah fixing our eyes upon him and as we wrap up here andrew uh, you know i just i'm reminded of something you had said earlier about in the jewish economy they didn't ask for forgiveness they didn't make promises they had a sacrifice it was a blood offering and uh, something you had uh, either written or, or somewhere that i read about uh, you you talked about how this meant, this one sacrifice of Jesus meant something to them because they had been making all these sacrifices. They had been doing this every year and, and re- really only had a yearly reminder of sins. And now comes Jesus, this once for all sacrifice. It meant a great deal to them because that meant no more sacrifices. There was only one sacrifice that took away sins forever. And so now, that our sins have been taken away forever. We're we're living this life where, again, we're not talking about making our own sacrifices. We're not talking about asking for forgiveness or trying uh, on our own to overcome sin, but we're fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. Not Jesus plus trying to keep the law. Not Jesus plus trying to imitate him. Uh, it's all, as uh, you say, 100% natural, no additives, Jesus plus nothing. And I think that's a good way to wrap things up uh, with our conversation here, Andrew.
1: Yeah, you know, you, know, you imagine this priest uh, running down the hillside with a perfect lamb in his hand. Let's say 5,000 years ago, a priest just runs into the center of the city, the camp there, and he's shouting, Eureka, I found it, the perfect lamb. Well, that never happens. But for us, it did. The perfect Lamb is Jesus. Now, if that had happened in the Old Testament, they would have folded up shop, shut down the tabernacle, closed the temple, and there'd be no forgiveness left to be obtained. Now, that didn't happen for them, but the beauty of the New Covenant is it has happened for us. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away, not just covers but takes away the sin of the world we have a perfect spotless lamb we can fold up shop we can close the doors on any system to get any more forgiven we have something to celebrate it's a it's a past tense event it's a once for all and it is because of jesus jesus plus nothing in the naked gospel i guess we're yanking the rug out from under people we're saying What have you been depending on for your forgiveness? What have you been depending on for your righteousness? You know, I want to encourage people to go to thenakedgospel.com, take the Naked Gospel quiz, let other people know. You know, we're hitting a holiday season when people care about Jesus. They reflect on our Savior. They start thinking about what are they going to give people for Christmas. The Naked Gospel is a great way to, to pass along this message of Jesus plus nothing to any and every child of God that will listen. Even to to unbelievers looking in on Christianity, they think it's a bunch of rules. And I think we need to shout to the world, you know, it's not religion. It's about Him. It's about a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus. And the Naked Gospel, you know, it's, it's one way among thousands that we can simply proclaim, I've got all my trust in Jesus
0: plus nothing right and i i do uh, recommend the book the naked gospel as a present and as uh, some as a present for somebody else and something uh for our listeners to read as something that is a very straightforward it and and i think you were saying in in the first program andrew that it's uh it you know we complicate things but really It's really a very simple message that even a child can understand, and I think that that's the message that a person will get out of reading the naked gospel. It's, again, 100% natural, no additives, Jesus plus nothing. It is the gospel naked and uh, with nothing added to it and I think it's a really good thing. So Andrew, I really do appreciate you taking the time with me over these last three programs. It's been a thrill for me and I think our listeners have really gotten a lot of good things out of that. Thanks again, Andrew. Hey, thank you, Joel. Alright, you take care.